You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hey guys, before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to tell you a little bit about a project I'm working on that I'm super excited about. And it's called the Radiant Recovery Collective. The Radiant Recovery Collective is a supportive online community of eating disorder warriors like you that lift you up and understand what you're going through. It is a place that you can turn to to feel connected, motivated, and inspired throughout your recovery journey. If this sounds like the place for you, I am sure you will love it. This is my monthly recovery membership program that provides expert Q&As with body positive influencers and mental health professionals, recovery workshops, group coaching led by me, as well as community wellness and friendship events. Each month, you'll also get access to new recipes, meditations, and other recovery tools. I promise you this is exactly what you need to keep you feeling connected with a network of amazing individuals and feeling inspired from day to day. The Radiant Recovery Collective is launching in a few short weeks, so please go to megmccabe.com to get on the wait list and be the first to know about the membership when the doors open. Remember, my friends, that you do not have to recover alone. The Radiant Recovery Collective is ready for you, and I can't wait to see you there. Hello, hello, my friends. Oh my gosh. It's been so long since I recorded a podcast. And by that, I mean, it's been about a month, but a lot has happened this month and I'm super excited about it. I've actually been building my business on the side for about five years. And this month was the month I finally put my two weeks notice in and decided to become a full-time eating disorder recovery coach. And I'm telling you, I am feeling so good. And I have committed to really working on this podcast and bringing all of you the most education and information I can about eating disorders and recovery. So that is why I've had a delay. Not that any of you were needing a reason from me, but figured I'd offer that. Today, I wanted to talk about something that has been an exciting thought for me uh, for a while now. And by that, I mean I'm excited to talk about it with all of you. So, as many of you know, it is widely known that eating disorders are like being in a toxic relationship. I remember when I had my eating disorder, I was in high school and I actually had never been in a relationship before. And my preoccupation with food and my obsession with food really took up 
so much mental space that I didn't have room for romantic relationship. And years later, when I was actually in relationships, I realized that that my relationship with food was actually a toxic relationship. It was a lot like being in in an abusive romantic relationship. I can just kind of highlight that with an example of my life. So back in my early 20s, I was dating some guy. He was like a musician, very artistic, kind of like vagabond, van life kind of a um, kind of a person. And that was really fun for me in my early 20s. But it actually was a very toxic relationship. I was constantly thinking about him, trying to change myself so I could become more like him. I would spend hours crafting like the perfect texts to him. I would get really nervous, like, you know, flight or fight response. I would like feel that, I guess it's the flight or fight response internally, like within my body with nerves when he was around. I would obsess over when I would see him again. And the most toxic part about that relationship was that he would just swing on by and show up for like a few days and act like he was in love with me. And I was totally in love with him. And then he would disappear. And he wouldn't even tell me when he'd be back. It was like, see you when I see you. You're so wonderful. You know, it was kind of like that narcissist empath relationship that people talk about. And I'm not really going to dive into all the psychology on this podcast, but it was pretty bad. And I related that experience to being in a toxic relationship with food. You know, I think now when I look at psychology, that was an example of kind of an anxious relationship attachment style. And so what I'm going to be doing in this podcast today is kind of explaining how your relationship with food is probably like a negative attachment style uh, with food and how you can know if you have a secure attachment with food. We're going to be relating all of this to relationships. So I just gave you an example of how I had a really bad relationship when I was younger. And I want you to think about your relationship with food. But before I dive into that, I want to let you know that all of this is based on the attachment theory, which was created by Mary Ainsworth and John Bowlby. These psychologists really believed that how you relate to people and the world is a lot how you end up relating to your parental figures when you're a child. Somehow, how you attach yourself and how you bond with your parent translates into how you bond with adults and life when you get older. So there are four different types of attachment styles. Not going to get into what all these are, but I definitely encourage you researching this if you feel so inspired to do so. So there's secure attachment, which... I'll be talking about. There's anxious, preoccupied attachment style. 
there's dismissive avoidant attachment style, and then there's fearful avoidant. Basically, we're all aiming to have a secure attachment with our romantic partners and with food. This anxious, dismissive, and fearful attachment style, they all culminate in certain ways. So I'm going to read to you the characteristics of an anxious attachment style, and I want you to see how this relates to your relationship with food. So first of all, you are desperate to form a fantasy bond with this partner. And when I like to think about food, I mean, I feel like when you have an eating disorder, you're desperate to form a fantasy bond with food in which you can eat what you want and never have your body size be reflected in that, or a fantasy bond as in you actually can eat maybe nothing or continue your behaviors without the emotional turmoil. So there are lots of, there's a lot of desperation and fantasy around this relationship with food when you have an eating disorder. Another characteristic of anxious attachment in romantic relationships is emotional hunger. And they actually use this instead of real love and trust. So this might be feeling emotionally needy when it comes to food and recognizing that food makes you happy, food makes you sad, food is really attached to your emotions. And when you think about kind of toxic relationships, your worth and value is attached to that relationship. And so you start feeling these negative emotions or really positive ones when you have interactions with that person. Also, with an anxious attachment style, people believe that this relationship can rescue or complete them. And I completely see that with eating disorders as well. I mean, a lot of people use eating disorders as coping mechanisms, which is kind of like a rescuing tactic. And to complete them, as in once I lose this weight, I'm going to achieve that fantasy life. Once I get to a certain size, I will be complete and I will be able to achieve my goals and achieve the life I want. So this eating disorder is taken on because they see it as something that will complete them. And that is just like an anxious attachment relationship that is exactly what it looks like so that person's going to come in and make your life better and make you feel complete when at the end of the day what you really need is not this relationship to feel complete but to feel complete within yourself because as we all know happiness is an inside job another characteristic of anxious attachment in romantic relationships is having a false sense of security and safety in your partner so think about that. Think about how eating disorders give us a false sense of security and safety. We think that controlling every aspect of our food is going to make us feel better and going to make our lives better, but that is a false sense of security. Maybe in that moment you feel safe and you feel secure, but we all know that it actually exacerbates the problem and makes you feel even worse and 
makes your relationship with food even worse and it ruins your life. So it's this false sense of security that you get when you have an eating disorder that is the same false sense of security that you have when you're in a toxic relationship. That relationship isn't making you feel truly secure, but it is kind of masking all of your insecurities. In a unhealthy relationship, you become clingy, demanding, and possessive, or your partner becomes this way, or both. And so, I mean, this is kind of obvious with eating disorders. It brings out the worst in all of us. We are we become really emotionally attached to food. We become obsessed. We become moody and irritable and controlling and inflexible. So, I mean, when I compare the signs of a toxic relationship with the signs of an eating disorder, they're basically the same. So I want you to journal on the question, how is your eating disorder like being in a toxic or abusive relationship? And, you know, let me know what you discover. My DMs on Instagram are always open, or you can you know, tag me on Instagram with your response, whatever it may be, but I'm so curious to hear how it manifests in your life. So what I want to do now is kind of talk to you all about secure attachment, what that looks like in a relationship and how that translates to a secure attachment to food. And I keep bringing this phrase up in my sessions lately because it just seems to be something that I'm really relating to right now. And so if we bring it back to the negative relationship I had back when I was early 20s, I had an insecure, okay, let me bring it this way. When you have an insecure relationship with food, your brain has a scarcity mindset. And it has a fearful mindset around food, which is why we feel like we can't control ourselves around food. So for instance, and I'm sure so many people can relate, think about when you open like a box of Oreos and you go and eat an Oreo and then you eat another Oreo and then there's this worry and fear. First of all, you're sad because the Oreo experience is restricted like you would never in your own wildest dreams have more than two Oreos maybe even more than one Oreo so you're already feeling negative you're feeling blocked you're feeling like Oreos are not allowed and they're off limits which is a complete lie because in reality Oreos are already there you have a whole box of Oreos just waiting to be eaten Or another example of this is that you eat two Oreos and then you say to yourself, oh my God, I'm finally allowed to eat Oreos. And then you binge and binge and binge because you feel like this is the one time you're allowed to eat Oreos. This is the one time you've given yourself permission to eat Oreos and you don't know when you're going to give yourself permission again, when in reality, a healthy relationship with food and a secure relationship with food means that you understand 
there's an abundance of Oreos and you can literally eat an Oreo every day or multiple Oreos every day if you really wanted to. So an example of a secure attachment with food would be opening that box of Oreos, having however many it takes for you to feel satisfied. And when you're in recovery, it might be a lot more to feel satisfied, but when you're finally recovered, it might just be one, two, three Oreos to feel really good. And someone with a secure attachment with food is going to say, oh, that was great, yummy, and then they're going to move on with their life. They're not going to feel feelings of guilt and shame and disgust. They're just going to move on. They're not going to overthink it. They're going to know that they can have Oreos again in an hour if they want. Oftentimes when I open a box of Oreos, I have whatever I need and then I actually forget the box is open and I just move on and then maybe a few hours later I see the box of Oreos and I go, oh, maybe I'll have one more and that this is delicious. And that's kind of what it looks like when you're securely attached to Oreos because you have this mindset, they will always be there. I don't have to freak out because I have continuous permission to eat the Oreos. I give myself full privileges to eat and it that's why they say when you restrict it causes the binge restrict cycle because when you're restricting suddenly you want it all more and it creates this insecure attachment with food so that's how i will explain it and that's exactly what happened to me when i was in that toxic toxic relationship because the time we spent together was so restricted and insecure that whenever he was around I felt like I had to get so much and then when he was gone I'd be sad and depressed and I'd have no idea when I was going to see him again and it was awful. I'm getting fired up talking to all you about this. So what I wanted to do is share with you a list of qualities that show what a secure attachment to food looks like and I created this list of qualities based on the attachment theory that I just went over and qualities of a secure attachment to a relationship. I'm just translating it over to your relationship with food. So bear with me. I've never heard anyone talk about this before. I am hoping that I'm the first one to because in my mind, it all makes tons of sense. So a secure, I'll quickly explain what a secure attachment in relationships looks like. Here are some of the qualities. A securely attached partner feels connected to their partner. They feel secure in their relationship. There is a lot of trust there. The partners allow freedom of movement in their lives. So they don't feel restricted in any way. They don't feel barricaded from their dreams. The partners support each other in independent and interdependent living. There's also support when you're feeling distress and open and honest communication on both sides. Also, both partners feel equal. So in a toxic relationship with food, you don't feel equal. You feel like food has all of the power, even though you're trying so hard to regain power through your rules and your behaviors. But in reality, it's not an equal relationship. When you have a secure attachment, it's a very equal partnership. And then, of course, it is 
an extremely loving, respectful relationship. And I talked about this on Instagram yesterday, but it's worthwhile to ask yourself, when I'm eating, do I feel as though I'm coming from a place of respect and self-love? Or am I coming from a place of self-loathing and hatred? And so try to always eat from a place of self-respect and that will help you feel more powerful around food. So this is what a secure attachment to food looks like. And people always say, you know, what does a normal relationship with food looks like? I would say these are characteristics that I would say are considered a normal relationship with food. It might sound kind of like a fantasy. And I also do want to say that there is really no perfect relationship with food or right relationship with food or normal relationship. But in my world as a recovered person and my perspective, these seem to be very normal characteristics of a healthy relationship with food. The first quality of a secure attachment to food is that you actually have a positive view of food and eating, okay? So you see food as something that enhances your life. It is delightful. You might not be super in love with every meal you eat, but there's at least a sense of neutrality. And to be honest, secure attachment to food also is in a way, a little bit of a detachment to food because you're not super dependent on it. Obviously, we're dependent on it to survive, but you're not dependent on it to reflect your worth or your value or who you are as a person or your morality. So secure attachment to food is positive view of food and eating at least, at least a new, neutral view as well. So think about that and think about whether or not you view food and eating as good or bad or somewhere in between. The next quality of a secure attachment to food would be a quality in which you are free of guilt and shame after eating or after weighing yourself. This one is obviously tricky, and if you are experiencing guilt and shame after eating or after weighing yourself, there is a chance that your relationship with food is at least disordered. When you have a secure attachment to food, you do not feel immense guilt or negative emotion because of food. Food does not have that much power over, over your emotions. I mean, it might be normal if you feel super full to say to yourself, oh, wow, I feel full. Maybe I overdid it. But, but you're not going to let it ruin your day. You're not going to beat yourself up over it. You just feel fine. You're like, this is the way it works. I eat and I get full. And then I trust my body to process this food. And I know that this fullness isn't like... A crisis situation and if you eat something that you deem in quotes unhealthy you recognize that life is a balance and there is no crime in eating foods that aren't 
perfect in the diet culture sense. The third quality of a secure attachment to food is what you eat does not indicate your worth and value. So in a insecure attachment in a relationship, your worth and value is completely derived of that relationship status of the person you're with. Maybe your worth and value is indicated by how your partner looks or how much money they make, and that's really unhealthy. If we apply this to food, what you eat and how much you eat and how much you weigh do not indicate your worth and value. So if you gain five pounds, you're going to know within yourself that you are the same amazing person that you were five pounds ago and you are no more or less valuable because of that. So that's really important to recognize. You know, there are times, days where I eat pretty, you know, they would say unhealthily and that's all diet culture standards. And I don't care. I don't see that as a reflection of who I am as a person. I see that as a lens of under through a lens of empathy and understanding. So if I had to have fast food because I was driving several hours that day, I'm going to say, well, that's, that was cheap. It was accessible. It was quick. I had, I was on the road. So my circumstances were the way they were. And this has nothing to do with who I am as a person, it is not an indicator of my value, and I just move on with my life. So that's what I want you to think about when you eat. So when you finally have an a secure attachment to food, you're going to be detached. You're going to detach your value from food. It's going to have nothing to do with what you eat. Your value comes from within and how you serve and help the world and the light you bring to the world. That's really how your value is determined. And guess what? We all have inherent value just by being here on this earth. You can literally be yourself and not achieve anything and not ever get married or have kids or whatever standards the world's put on you. You could just be you, and you are inherently extremely valuable. So I want you to know that and always remember that. The fourth part of having a secure attachment to food would be having an ability to live in the moment around food. So someone who has an insecure attachment to food is going to not be able to live in the moment. And what I mean by that are those precious fleeting moments that make life so wonderful. So for an example, if you have a young child and they are learning to walk and while they are taking their first steps, you are worried and feeling guilty about what you just ate, that is a quality of an insecure attachment to food. You are letting food take the forefront of your mind when life passes you by. So someone with a secure attachment to food could be overly full, eating tons of whatever, quote unquote, I hate categorizing foods, but say you've just eaten really unhealthy that day. 
your baby takes the fir their first steps and you're actually focused on your child and focused on how they're doing and how amazing that moment just was and you're reveling in being a mother that is what a secure attachment to food looks like like food is not the forefront of your mind and you can actually live in the present and not let food be some sort of obsession that's always overshadowing those moments that's just like toxic relationship i mean if you're in a toxic relationship for instance say you're going to see a concert like rip concerts who knows if we'll ever be able to go see live shows again with the pandemic but if you've ever been to see one of your favorite music artists in the world and then your night is ruined because all you're doing is obsessing over whether or not someone's going to text you back or you're overanalyzing a text that someone gave you or you you're just focused on that toxic relationship instead of watching your favorite performer on the planet that is an example of an insecure relationship so i know i'm doing a lot of riffing on this podcast today i know i'm just really speaking unscripted so i hope you're all following me so next the next quality is of a secure attachment to food is first of all flexibility around food but also flexibility socially a secure attachment to food is maybe you do have food that you regularly eat on routine that makes you feel good makes your body feel like optimized in a way and you end up having a friend visit you for the weekend and you just go out to eat way more than you usually do you have late night food whatever it is you can roll with that change in your diet and not feel totally like you've done anything wrong you just kind of say to yourself well my friends in town we lived it up we had a good time and i'm not going to beat myself up over those moments of i guess moments of variety in my life so flexible flexible thinking so not thinking in black and white terms but thinking in scales of gray and finally another example of flexibility socially is in a toxic relationship sometimes they isolate you sometimes that person tells you you can't hang out with certain friends anymore they make you feel like you can only hang out with them maybe they isolate you from your friends or family if you think about your eating disorder it's making you miss out on a lot of social things maybe you if your friend came into town you actually don't in, engage in any of those fun food events maybe you have to bring your own food to the restaurant or you refuse the late night pizza whatever it is that eating disorder gets in the way of your social life and that is definitely not good and i just want to reiterate a secure attachment to food would be you can have a full wonderful social life um, and your relationship with food does not get in the way of it next is having an uncomplicated relationship with food that's free from obsession 
So in a healthy relationship, that looks like ease. That looks like trust. That looks like them texting you maybe once or twice that day, but you knowing that they're busy at work or something like that. Like I used earlier that Oreo example, I am free from food obsession. So once the Oreos are put away, I'm not thinking about them in the cabinet all day. I move on with my life. So a healthy relationship with food has this sense of uncomplicatedness and freedom from this mental obsession. And obviously in unhealthy relationships, we're gonna, it's gonna get really complicated. It's gonna get confusing. You're gonna overanalyze everything. You're gonna ask yourself, why can't we just get along? Why can't he be this way? And you're also going to be obsessed with that relationship, which is not healthy at all. And finally, I have um, actually a few more characteristics listed. You respect, in in a secure attachment to food, you are respecting your body and listening to your body's needs. That looks like being connected to your hunger cues and actually responding to them when you tune into them. So if you feel hungry, you don't tell yourself, oh, calm down, stomach, you're not that hungry, wait just two more hours until your designated lunchtime. You say, oh my gosh, body, you are hungry. Let me give you a snack so you can, you know, so you can feel good until lunchtime. I mean, think about a relationship, like, for instance, if you had a child come up to you and say, I'm super hungry, I would hope that you say, here, sweetie, have a snack. You wouldn't say, oh, you're not hungry. I don't believe you. I don't think you need food right now. How about you just wait a few more hours? You know, that's not a healthy relationship at all. And so in a healthy romantic relationship, that person's going to be responsive to your needs. They're going to listen to you when you're communicating. They're going to respect your body. They're going to respect you as a person. That is what a secure relationship with food looks like. When you're eating, there is a sense of self-respect. There is a sense of self-love. You're eating from a place of love and nourishment and care and it really is a form of self-love and you're being responsive to your hunger cues you are just recognizing that your body is telling the truth your body if it's giving you hunger signals you are hungry and you honor that that is a huge piece of having a secure attachment to food and also a secure connection to your body. I think trusting your body is a huge part of this process. And the easiest way to start building body trust is to start noticing when you're hungry and feeding your body, even if it goes outside of your designated meal times for the day or outside of your meal plan. And I know that can be really hard for some people, but I really challenge you to start doing that after listening to this episode. And finally, the last 
characteristic of a secure attachment to food is this thought, and I've kind of touched on it earlier, that food will always be there. <laughs> there is no scarcity mindset when it comes to food. And I know that this is a mindset that also comes from a place of privilege because there is, there are people on this earth in which each meal is not guaranteed. They might not be able to afford their next meal or maybe they don't know where their next meal is coming from. But if you're in the circumstances where you have food in your fridge and you have people who support you, you can adopt the mindset that food will always be there. I can leave food and return to it whenever I want, just like a secure relationship. If you really trust your partner, you would allow them to travel, to do guys or girls weekends, you would allow them to do whatever their heart desires, knowing that they will come back to you and they would do the same for you. You can leave that relationship for a few weeks to travel or to maybe you have to go to grad school and move to, to cities. They're going to respect your desires, your needs. They're going to let you have that space knowing that you will return to them. And there's this sense that this person will always be there. You don't have to smother that person and obsess over that person because you're afraid they're going to cheat on you or they're going to betray you or your constant presence. If you're not there constantly, they're going to get bored and leave. There's, there isn't that sense of control. That's just like food. You don't have to obsess over food. You don't have to worry about food. You don't have to feel that food is restricted or limited because a secure attachment to food means that food is literally going to be there. Just give yourself permission to eat. Just give yourself unconditional permission to eat. And I promise you that will start healing your relationship with food. Whew. So that is what I have for you guys today. I hope that was helpful for you and I'm really excited about it. I think I'm going to write an article on Medium about this as well because I do love Medium. If you guys haven't checked out my Medium writing, I definitely recommend that you do. But anyway, I will post this soon. I hope you enjoy it and remember that your recovery is 100% possible and if you ever need support I am here through Instagram or you can shoot me an email and I'd be happy to connect with you. 